Okay, my friends, now I'm going to give you the second sermon for Rosh Hashanah. Again, I ask of each and every one of you, please, whoever gets this, do not listen to it on Rosh Hashanah. That is actually a sin to use electronics on Rosh Hashanah. So please, either listen to it before or wait till after. And this one's going to be very short, sweet, and straight to the point. The title of this lecture, this sermon, I'm sorry, is creating abusiveness or creating intimacy. I want to share with you what is the concept of Rosh Hashanah in the teachings of Kabbalah. For some reason, and we're going to talk about that right now, we're taught that God gives life force to the, to the world for one year only. We learn this out that God's relationship with creation in sustaining and vivifying is in the dual movement of ebb and flow. And that is why all living creatures, their life depends upon ebb and flow. The heart pumping in, out, the lungs in, out. It's all because that's how we are created from God, that there's the ebb flow. Now, how does the ebb flow work? What it works is that on Rosh Hashanah, God gives a life force, a ray of divinity, a ray of light, which is the life force of, of the universe. It shines, and then after the year, it returns back into the source, and a new ray needs to come. That, according to Kabbalah, is the secret of Rosh Hashanah, is the secret of the shofar, reaching into the source, drawing down another ray to sustain us for a life here. Now, my question is, why? God could have very easily given the universe a life force to last it for its intended duration. God could have given every human being a life force that would last the duration of how many years he or she is supposed to live. Why this ebb and flow and us needing to come back to God and say, please, for one more year? Question number one. Question number two. On Rosh Hashanah, Adam and Eve were created, and that was the day that the serpent led Eve astray, and the day that even Adam and the serpent were punished for the sin of eating of the forbidden tree of knowledge. Now, each one, as you remember in Genesis, each one was punished for what happened. Adam was punished for listening to Eve and eating from it. Eve was punished for listening to the serpent and eating from the tree of knowledge. And the serpent was punished for enticing Eve to eat from the tree of knowledge, knowing that God said not. Now, I want to share with you what the serpent's punishment was. And I quote from Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. And you shall eat dust all the days of your life. Okay. There are those that ask a question, what kind of punishment is this? Dust is everywhere. So the one thing we do know is that the serpent will never be lacking food. So what kind of punishment is that? You will eat dust for all the days of your life. Humans have to worry if it's going to rain, it's not going to rain. Is it going to grow? Is it not going to grow? Is there going to be a flock? Is there not going to be a flock? And the snake was punished that he never has to worry about it. You'll eat dust, but you'll always have food. Additionally, I want to ask one more question. The last question is that the land of Egypt is defined by the Nile River being its source of irrigation. 
while the land of Israel is defined by its independence on rain. Now, why would God's chosen land not be the independent one with an available source of irrigation rather than having literally a daily dependency on that which we have no control over, rain? Three questions. Now, to understand this, I want to share with you what was, according to the great Rabbi Chaim Ben Atar, a great Svartic sage of old, um, he wrote a book called Orachayim. And he writes like this. He, said, uh, he says, if you want to know what happened between the serpent and Eve, you need to go to the core of what they were saying. So I want to quote to you what the serpent said to Eve when Eve said, I can't eat from that tree. The serpent tells Eve, for God knows that, again, I'm quoting chapter 3, verse 5, Genesis. For God knows that on the day that you eat thereof, your eyes will be opened and you will be like angels, knowing good and evil. In other words, what's the serpent telling Eve? The serpent is telling Eve that the reason why God doesn't want you to be able to eat from this tree of knowledge is because he wants you to be codependent. He wants you not to know good from evil, not to be able to hold yourself, hold your ground. Rather, you will always need to turn to him for every little thing. What should I do? Should I do this? I don't know. What do you think? So therefore, he was suggesting that what God is really doing is he's trying, it's not about caring about you, but rather he wants to keep you down. Kind of like, you know, when you watch the movies of the Russians, right? What was the power? We give information on a need-to-know basis because knowledge is power. And if I know and you don't know, you are dependent on me. That's what the serpent was telling Eve. That's why God doesn't want. Now let's look what Eve was saying. Eve was saying, and I quote to you, he says, she says, I'm sorry, in Genesis 3.3, God said you shall not eat of it lest you die. In other words, Eve was saying no. God is loving and caringly telling me to stay away from that which is harmful to me. So the core of this argument between the snake and Eve is what kind of God is God? Is he, so to speak, an insecure God that needs you to need him? Or is he the God that lovingly and caringly is helping you develop by teaching you what's good for you and what's not good for you? Sadly, Eve fell to the serpent's paradigm. Now, let's go ahead and see. The ultimate discussion, the entire discussion about the tree of knowledge was all about this concept. Now we'll understand what happened. The serpent said that God wants to be dominant and we should be dependent upon him. So look at what God punished him with. God said, oh, you don't want to need me. That's the whole story here. No problem. You'll have food you'll never need. But Eve, that understood that this was a caring God, ultimately what God is telling Adam and Eve is 
that you will need me in the sense that we'll always have a relationship of caring for each other. I depend upon you to be just and godly, and you depend upon me for guidance, protection, and sustenance. And now we understand what the beauty of the difference between Egypt and Israel is. Egypt, when Moses came to Pharaoh and said, God said, if you look in the verse in Exodus, the response he says is, who, Pharaoh says is, who is God that I should listen to him? We have a verse from the prophets that say that Pharaoh said, it's my forest and I made myself. I am the deity. God says, oh, you don't want to have to have a relationship with me? No problem. I'll give you what you want. However, Israel will always have this intimate relationship with God that we consistently need God. Now, this leads us to a challenge because we can always fall into the paradigm of the serpent. So on the one hand, God's saying, let's stay in a relationship. I'm not going to give you a soul that's just going to last for all your lifetime and go on and do your stuff. We're going to need each other, ebb and flow, back and forth, intimate moments. But for that to be healthy, we need to not impose upon God our insecurities, saying that he's insecure, and therefore he wants me to be dependent upon him. Rather, understand that God doesn't want to end up, he's in heaven, we're down here, and we barely communicate. That is the secret of Rosh Hashanah. The secret is to come back to God and say, God, I know that you gave me a one-year lease so that you and I can come back to this moment and have an intimate moment of ebb and flow. People, the Shana Tova, may God grant us this year a true light of benevolence, peace, sustenance, health, love, respect. May we be inscribed in God's book of life. And I want to share with you what that means. The first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Roshnei Zaman of Liadi, told a chassid, I want to bless you with long life. And the chassid said, don't bless me with long life if it's going to be a coarse, egocentric, mundane life. I don't need a long life of a rat race. If you can bless me with spiritual life, meaning, purpose, elevation, I would like a blessing for long life. Thus I share with you, may we be inscribed in God's book of life, not our book of life, which is all about the Joneses and the James and then the, what they drive and what we drive. Let's be inscribed in God's book of life, of peace, of fulfillment, of love, and of abundance. Shana Tova.